want to welcome everyone as well watching online. So good to have all of you here with us. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to uh, begin with a, a scripture here. It's First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. How important is it that we know the signs of the times? I think one reason is so that we're ready for the groom. Matthew 25, Jesus talks about 10 bridesmaids that were waiting for the groom to come. And the groom came at a time when they weren't expecting him to come. And five of the wise bridesmaids were ready to meet Jesus. And so they got to meet the groom and they got to be part of the wedding celebration. But there was five foolish bridesmaids that were not prepared. They missed out on the groom. They didn't take heed of the warnings. They missed the signs. They thought they, thought they still had lots of time to be ready, to get ready. Their focus was on the world and the busyness of the world, but not the groom. How many of you know that Jesus is patient in his return? Because he wants as many people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as possible. Amen? But the Bible is very clear that when Jesus returns, many people won't be ready. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 to 39. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. There'll be many people during these last days that are not aware of the signs of the times. And, and Jesus warns us at the end of the parable, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So we need to be alert. We need to be ready. Our focus needs to be on the bridegroom so we don't miss out on Jesus. Amen? And second, I think that, that we need to understand the signs of the times so that we will be the church that God calls us to be for such a time as this. That we exist in this specific time period with a significant purpose. And I think that if we understand that we're in the last hours, I think we're going to have a sense of urgency as, as the body of Christ. What do you think? How many of you are familiar with the game catchphrase? Anybody familiar with the game of catchphrase? Catchphrase is a game that's about urgency. Okay? In fact, how many of you are really good catchphrase players? Wow. Keep your hands up for a second. Keep your hands up. 
Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, uh, Mike and Brad. You have to pass the baby, Brad. You guys are a team. You guys are a team. I need two more people who are good at catchphrase. Two more people. Rob, who wants to be on Rob's team? Okay, well, there's not a lot of. <laughs> I'm gonna. I need Aaron. Thank you, Aaron and Rob. Mike and Brad, come on up. So here's how catchphrase works. Um, it's kind of like hot potato, okay? So you guys come stand right here in the middle, okay? And uh, so Brad and Mike, you guys stand opposite of each other. Rob and Aaron, you stand opposite of each other. So like, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought these are the experts of catchphrase. So just, so just be, and then, and then just switch spots. Switch spots with Aaron. Okay, so make, make a, little, a little circle here. Okay, so here's how it works. All right. Um, I'm going to start the, the timer, okay? And then it's going to buzz when the round is over. Okay? Is that Ilyasa? Hey, Ilyasa. And now, what? <laughs> and then what's going to happen is, Brad is going to try and get Mike to say the word on that disc. When he does, he's going he's to hit the next word and pass it to Aaron. And then Aaron's going to try and get Aaron, so Aaron's going to try to get Rob to say that word. And then he's going to click it and pass it to Mike. Then Mike's going to try and get Brad to say that word. The last person holding the disc when the timer goes, when the buzzer goes, that team loses. Okay. And I've got, I've got two Tim Horton gift cards for the winner. Two, just take them now. Ooh, I like that confidence. But no. Okay, are you guys ready? Go. What did he do to you? There you go. Let's, let's give it up for these four, Aaron and Rob. Good job. Thanks so much. Can I, can I have your glasses? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mike. Good job. Okay. And so I don't know if you noticed, but in that game, what happens is the timer starts beeping faster and faster. The only thing is you have no idea how much time is actually left, right? And so what happens in that game is, is the players start to get a little more intense. And there's a little more sense of urgency because the beepers happen and time's running out even though they don't know how much time is left, but they know time's running out. That should be the church. That should describe the church in these last days. Time is running out. The signs of the times are like the timer, the, the buzzer, 
right? And it's beeping faster and faster. It's the signs of the times that is the clock for Jesus' return. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back? Amen. Amen. But we don't know the day or the hour, Jesus said. So our sense of urgency, our sense of focus needs to be intense in fulfilling the call of God in our life. Because why? Time is running out. And we don't know how much time is left. And so ultimately I'm saying we need to have an urgency to love God and to love people and to win this world for Jesus Christ. Amen? Today and next week, um, I want to talk about understanding some of the signs of the times so that we'll be ready to meet the groom, we'll be ready to meet Jesus and to be the church. And so today, we're going to start with the signs of the times surrounding Israel, and I want to talk about three specific signs uh, today, and then next week, we're going to look at the signs of the time that will contribute and have already contributed to the rise of the Antichrist and making the way for the great tribulation, okay? And so as I said to someone in the foyer, so we're just going to have some nice light topics here the next couple of weeks and, <laughs> and swimming in the shallow end, as Mike put it for me the other uh, in meet and greet time. Um, but uh, are you ready to look at some of the signs of the times? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for, for today. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his presence here. I thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you, God, for our, our forgiveness. We thank you, God, for our healing. Hallelujah. And God, I just pray that you continue to be with us. I just pray for a, just a manifested presence of the Lord as we hear your word. And God, I pray that, that we hear more than, than, than a person's voice, but we're gonna hear your voice today, Lord. We're gonna hear your heart today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Bible's prophecy of Israel is, is one of our, our best gauges, if, if not our best gauge, of where we're at in these last days and the fulfillment of the prophecy of Israel becoming a nation in one day in Isaiah 66 is a very significant sign of the times. We talked about this a little bit last week. Isaiah 66 and verse 8, who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? I imagine when people first heard this prophecy, it was puzzling because it takes generations and generations and generations for a nation to be born, right? But it's referring to Israel being recognized as a nation and given back the land God gave to his people 4,000 years earlier. And on May 14, 1948, this scripture, this prophecy came to pass. Israel became a recognized nation again in one day. 
in Matthew 24 is about the return of Jesus. And look what Jesus says specifically about this day and the generation that witnesses it. Matthew 24, verse 32 to 34. says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as it's young, shoots become tender and it puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things taking place, know for certain that he is near right at the door. Okay, so first this this scripture, this prophecy that Jesus uh, says talks about the blossoming of Israel. Do you know that since Israel became a nation in 1948, it has blossomed? Okay, number one, the land has blossomed. See, the 1900 years before Israel became a nation and, and, was, and the Jews were expelled from Jerusalem in 70 AD by Rome, Israel was a wasteland. Just 80 years ago, it was a desert and swamp. Since Israel became a nation, it started to flourish again. Isaiah 27, verse 6, Isaiah talks about this. In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. You know that today, the Israeli agricultural production is one of the great wonders of the world because Israel is a desert, (laughs) right? And Israel is one of the world's leading greenhouse food exporting countries. The country exports more than $2.2 billion worth of agricultural produce every year. Do you know that eight years ago, Israel found an oil reserve that was so massive that it's going to sustain Israel for the next 500 years. Okay, so, so the land has blossomed. The land has prospered. Okay, and the, another way that, that Israel has blossomed is its people have returned. Okay, it's blossomed in the Jewish people coming home. Look at this scripture in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. It says, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people. And so in brackets here, I just put this, the first time God brought back the the people to Israel, to the land of Canaan, the promised land, was when he freed them and delivered them from Egypt and brought them back then, right? Those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt and southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam, which is Iran in Babylonia, which is Iraq, and Hamath, which is Syria, and all the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations. That was when Israel became a nation in 1948, a recognized nation again. And assemble the exiles of Israel. All the Jews that were forced out of Israel when Rome conquered Jerusalem in 70 AD. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of of the earth. How many of you know that this prophecy has been fulfilled? The first immigrants uh, back to Israel after they became a nation were the Holocaust survivors from Germany, Austria, and Italy. And within that first two years after Israel became a nation in 1948, the population doubled. It went from about 688,000 people to 1.3 million people. 
Thousands came from the countries in Isaiah 11, if you keep that up for a little bit. Thousands came from those countries. Tens of thousands of Jews came from Ethiopia. Over six million Jews have come back to Israel from all over the world since 1948. Do you know that 1.7 million Jews have immigrated back to Israel from Russia alone? Okay, Jeremiah calls that uh, the, the country from the north. Okay, Jeremiah 16, 15 says, Instead they will say, As surely as the Lord lives, who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north, and from the countries to which he had exiled them, for I will bring them back to this land that I gave their ancestors. Okay, so absolutely no question, Israel blossomed. Okay, it became a nation, and the land is, is flourishing, and the people have returned. Okay, but let's go back to Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and verse 34. Okay, it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, this generation, the people living when these signs and events begin, will not pass away until these things have taken place. So let's understand what Jesus is saying there. He's saying that specific generation that was alive and saw Israel become a nation in 1948 and blossom, that generation will not pass away before Jesus comes back. That means at least one person from that generation that was alive when Israel became a nation will see Jesus come back. At least one person from that generation. Okay, It's been 75 years since Israel became a nation. The life expectancy of the world population is 73.4 years. I would guess that the majority of that generation has already passed away. So what am I trying to say? We are in the last days of the last days. Okay, this should bring an urgency to the heart of the church. Amen? Okay, so that was number one. Number two is another surrounding event, another event surrounding Israel that the Bible prophesies will happen before Jesus comes back is the rebuilding of the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Do we have a, a picture of, of, of that? Okay, so there, there is a, a picture of what that might look like. That's the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and this would be the third temple, okay? And so the Temple Institute and the Temple Mount Faithful, those are organizations preparing for the rebuilding of the Jewish temple, okay? And so to this point, these organizations have the architectural blueprints to build the temple. They've cut four, the four six-ton cornerstones for the, t for the new temple, have commissioned them to be consecrated in water from a biblical body of water, which is, which is from uh, Old Testament, Made, uh, they have made all the objects deemed necessary for Jewish rites. So they, they've, they've, they've made the priestly robes, the baking molds for bread, the incense burners. They've made all the musical instruments. They have everything prepared for the rebuild of the third temple. 
Okay, the Temple Institute already houses the three most important items of the new temple. Okay, and they've been produced precisely in accordance with the biblical specifications, the golden altar of incense, showbread table, and the temple, and the temple menorah made of 24 karat gold. Do you know that a new generation of Levite priests has been raised up? Jews from around the world have studied and been trained for the priesthood, specifically for the third temple. Okay, and this is the one that really amazed me. In the last year, in the last year, five flawless red heifers were imported to Israel from Texas. Okay, and the reason why that's significant is to meet the requirements of the Old Testament law, a red heifer was needed to help accomplish the purification of Israelites from uncleanness. And so they would, they would sacrifice and burn red heifers, and then they'd mix the ashes of those red heifers with water, and then they would brush those on people to make them clean, to make them qualify to be able to come into the temple. This practice has not been done since the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD, and now they have the unblemished red cows to accomplish this in the new temple, right? And there has been priests that have been meticulously looking at every single hair of those heifers to make sure that they qualify. Okay, but let's understand the significance of the temple. Let's understand the significance of this, okay? When Jesus comes back, the Bible says that he's going to establish his throne on the temple mount in Jerusalem. See, the real reason for the constant war against Israel is because Satan is always trying to sit where God should be sitting. Satan wants to sit where Jesus will establish his throne. This is why we have an Islamic mosque on the Temple Mount right now called the Dome of the Rock. This is why the Antichrist will establish his throne on the Temple Mount. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 says he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. This is why Satan tries to establish his throne in the hearts of people. It's because Satan wants to sit where only God was intended and only God is worthy to sit. And just like the Temple Mount, our hearts were never intended for anyone to sit, including us. But the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, Jesus Christ. And you can be rest assured that Jesus will establish his throne on that Temple Mount. And that dome of the rock is going to be crushed by the rock of our salvation. Amen? Hallelujah. And the third sign that I want to talk to you about today, I know I'm moving fast, 
is the rising hatred of Israel in the world. And we, we, we addressed this last week. How many of you have witnessed the increased pro-Palestinian rallies in this last week? Okay. <clears throat> there are thousands of people participating in these protests, these marches, um, all across Canada, protesting Israel. Okay. There were tens of thousands protesting in front of the Capitol in Washington, D.C. I drove by a pro-Palestinian march yesterday on Albert Street. Did anybody see that? I drove by that yesterday, and they were holding up signs that said, Free Palestine. Okay, they're, not, they're not saying free Palestine from Hamas, from a demonic, violent terrorist group. They're saying free Palestine from Israel. Okay. And, and uh, many in these protests have voiced their support, not just of Palestine. It's, it's, not, it's not just about the innocent civilian Palestinians that are being hurt, which we talked about last week, that as, as the body of Christ, we need to have sympathy. We need to be praying. We need to be loving these people, 100%. Okay? Um, but, but they voiced their support of Hamas, and they voiced their support, not everybody in these rallies, but, but some have, supported their, uh, voiced their support on the attacks on Israel on October 7th, okay, which was the murder and kidnapping of women and children because they support any resistance against Israel or, or any, anyone that's going to fight for the rights of Palestinians, okay? And, and so it's not... So, so many are not acknowledging the atrocities anymore. They're justifying them. But we knew that was going to happen, didn't we? Okay. And, and these are not just Palestinians or Arabs in these rallies. But they're people of every ethnicity and all over the world. The world is quickly turning against Israel. And before this war is over, Israel is going to have many new enemies. Uh, and, and in the Western world as well. So Zechariah 12.3 says, At that time, all the nations on earth will gather together against Jerusalem. Then it will become like a rock and can't be moved. All the nations that try to move it will only hurt themselves. This is talking about the battle of Armageddon. There is a time coming when all the nations of the earth will come against Israel. We, we talked about Ezekiel 38 last week, where, where the you know, Muslim coalition will be coming against Israel um, at the, in, during the, the Great Tribulation. We're going to talk about that a little more next week. But there's a time coming when the whole world, okay, every nation is going to come against Israel. And last week, I think I showed, uh, or I wanted to show a picture of the map of all those nations that are surrounding Israel. And... Uh, and so in Ezekiel 38, it, it names these nations. We've got Turkey, we've got Syria, and uh, above Turkey is Russia. And so that is Magog from, from Ezekiel 38. Those are, and, and Lebanon. Lebanon is directly above Israel. Israel is uh, this little um, yellow section there. Okay, and so Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, Russia are to the north, Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, 
is to the east, Egypt, Sudan, uh, beside Egypt, <clears throat> uh, so to the west and the south of Israel, beside Egypt is Libya, and so uh, that's um, the, the Muslim nations that are to the west and south of Israel. Uh, how many of you can see the little Gaza Strip there? Okay, by the Dead Sea. So the Gaza Strip, that is where Hamas and the Palestinian, uh, Palestinians are right now. And then in Lebanon there to the north, we've got Hezbollah. Hezbollah is another terrorist group uh, which has actually more weapons and more strength and power than Hamas. Iran is funding both Hezbollah and, and Hamas. Okay, And so 95% of, of these nations, with the exception of Russia, are Muslim. Okay, They're Muslim nations. And so we know that Muslims are followers, disciples of the religion of Islam. Okay, and so please stay with me. I'm, I'm going somewhere here, okay? And so <clears throat> last week we started talking about the deception of Muslims. And the reason why we do that is because it helps to explain and helps us to understand where this hatred of the Jews is coming from. Okay, and so 2,000 years after the covenant, and this is a quick little summary, 2,000 years after the covenant between God and Abraham, the false prophet Muhammad was visited by a demonic spirit, and I'm going to show you in a minute how you can know it was a demonic spirit, and from that encounter wrote the Koran, which denies and contradicts the gospel of Jesus in the Bible and began the Islamic religion. Okay, But going deeper into their deception, what we can do is we can understand better uh, the hatred that they have. We can understand more why they hate Israel. Helps us know how to pray for them. But, but really what I want to do today is I want us to understand who the real enemy is. I want us to really see who the real enemy is. Okay? And so <clears throat> um, this is what Muslims believe will happen in the end times. Islamic prophecies directly from the Quran predict three major signs of the end times. And each sign is a person. Okay, so this is what Muslims believe. This is in the book of, of, the, of the Quran, okay? And so the first one is the Mahdi, okay? Three Islamic signs of the end times. The first one is the Mahdi, okay? So this is the Muslim Messiah. This is going to be a military, political, religious leader that will come to power. He will establish the final caliphate. Muslims believe that the entire world is going to surrender to Islam, okay? And that's going to usher in this Messiah that's going to have rule over the entire world. And um, <clears throat> the Mahdi will cause all the world to convert to Islam. This is what, this is what Muslims believe. He's the long-awaited savior. Watch this, he will establish a new world order, okay, a one world government. Only he will be able to make peace between Israel and Palestine. He's the only one that's going to be able to make peace. He's going to rule for seven years, okay, and some of you who know the Bible a little bit are, are seeing who this is, 
and he will establish peace in the world. He'll have a massive army that carries black flags. Okay, and their Messiah, he will slaughter the Jews and establish his rule on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. He will have supernatural power. He will find hidden scriptures in the Bible and in the Gospels and so that he can show Jews and Christians why they were wrong. He's going to bring wealth and crops and happiness to everyone, and the Muslims believe that the Mahdi is alive right now. Who is the Mahdi? Who is a biblical description of the Mahdi? It's absolutely the Antichrist. Okay? This description of the Mahdi is the exact biblical description of the Antichrist. Okay? The Bible's Antichrist is the Islamic Savior. The Bible's Antichrist is the Islamic Savior. Okay? So that's the first, that's the first sign for the Muslims. The second is the Muslim Jesus. Okay? The Muslim Jesus. So many uh, people believe that, that <clears throat> Muslims believe in Jesus just like we believe in Jesus. Okay? This is a different Jesus. Remember the other, the other week we were talking about Paul talking about a different Jesus? This is a different Jesus, okay? The Jesus, uh, much different from the Jesus we know and worship, okay? So, so the Jesus they believe is a different Jesus. According to the Quran, the Muslim Jesus will come back as a Muslim. He's gonna tell the world he never died on the cross, never claimed to be the son of God, that Islam is the only true religion and everyone should submit to the Mahdi. Everyone should worship and bow down to the Mahdi. Okay? He will break and shatter crosses to show he's never been crucified. Okay? They don't believe um, this Jesus is the Son of God or a God, but just a human prophet. They believe he didn't die, but went to heaven uh, like, like Elijah, that he was taken up as a human. So he returns as a radical Muslim to assist the Mahdi. Jesus will pray to the Mahdi and acknowledge him as Lord. He will worship Allah. The Muslim Jesus will then establish worldwide Sharia law and be the greatest Muslim evangelist ever. They also believe that he's going to be married and have children. Okay. Who is the Muslim Jesus a biblical description of? False prophet. The false prophet. Okay? So the description of the Muslim Jesus is the biblical exact description of the false prophet in Revelation 13. We're going to talk about the Antichrist and the false prophet in the Great Tribulation next Sunday. So the purpose of the false prophet is to glorify the Antichrist. The purpose of the Muslim Jesus is to glorify the Mahdi. So they believe in their Messiah returning. They believe in a, in a Jesus returning. I'll say a Jesus, not the Jesus. And number three is Muslims believe that the Antichrist will also come. 
Okay? And so this is according to the Quran. The Antichrist is an infidel. He will even claim to be Jesus and God. He will come on a mule. He will attempt to stop the Mahdi, but he will be killed by the Muslim Jesus. Who is the Muslim Antichrist a biblical description of? The Muslim Antichrist is a biblical description of Jesus Christ. The Muslims believe the Savior of the world is their Antichrist. After understanding that, is it easy to see that it was a demonic spirit that visited Muhammad? Is that easy to see now? Absolutely. Right? This is the level of the deception the Muslims are in today. Matthew 24, 4 says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come claiming, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. Currently, there are over 2 billion Muslims in the world today, and I believe it's still the fastest growing deception in the world today. But please understand, their hatred for Israel and their hatred for the God of the Bible is inspired by, by lies, by demonic lies. And once we see the full deception of the Quran and the Muslims, it's easy to remember who our real enemy is, isn't it? But no matter what, no matter what the enemy does to deceive, no matter how hard he tries to establish his throne, there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. I read a, a story, I heard a testimony actually, from a uh, Hezbollah soldier. And Hezbollah is, uh, is a Muslim terrorist group. Um, their purpose is to annihilate Israel, to kill Jews, and to wipe Israel out. And um, he was talking about when he was in a prison cell. He was in a prison cell and, and he, he started to sense there was a demonic spirit. He called it a demonic spirit that was in the cell with him. And he was, he was afraid and he, he actually felt that this demonic spirit was going to kill him. He felt he was scared for his life. And so he desperately starts praying out to Allah and rebuking this spirit in the name of Allah. And his fear is just growing and the demonic presence is, is growing. And in that, in that desperation, he said he heard an audible voice. And the voice said, use the name Jesus. So immediately he rebuked that demonic spirit in the name of Jesus, and immediately that spirit was gone. He felt the presence gone. And now this was the beginning of his confusion. 
And so for the next two weeks, he said, he prayed every single day to Allah and, 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 and tried to have an explanation, tried to understand what happened. Why, why was it the name of Jesus that expelled this demon? Why wasn't it his prayers and his faithfulness to Allah? Then he said, all of a sudden in his cell, he felt another presence. But this time it was the holy presence of God. And he, he sensed the holiness of God so great that he saw his own condition. He knew he was sinful. He knew that he couldn't be around this holy presence. And he knew that this holy presence was going to judge him. All of this from just the manifested presence of God. And then in that moment, he heard that voice again, the same voice he heard two weeks earlier. And the voice said, I forgive you. And he was overwhelmed. And he couldn't understand this. And he said, who are you? And the voice said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, what's your name? He said, my name is Jesus. And in that moment, he fell to his knees. And he committed his life to Jesus. He told the other prisoners what happened. And he led many more prisoners in that jail to Jesus Christ. Then one of the prisoners was a Christian and gave him a Bible, but the Bible was in English. So he said, I can't, I can't read this. I, can't, I don't understand this language. And, the, and he, the prisoner said, just read it. When he opened it up, he could understand every single word. And that soldier, that man that hated Jews and hated Israel and his heart was given over to hate. That man is now preaching the word of God. He's a pastor in British Columbia. See, Satan can roar and, and Satan can fuss and Satan can do everything he can to try and set up his throne. But there is power in the name of Jesus to come against every lie. There is power in the name of Jesus to come against every hatred. Hallelujah. The love of God is more powerful than the hatred of the devil. Everybody catch that? The love of God is more powerful than the hatred of the devil. And the church, the church in these last days, we need to function and live in the love of God. We need to love God and love people. We need an urgency to love God and love people because that's what's gonna win the battle, hallelujah. Love and truth, hallelujah. That's who we are in the end days, amen? Aren't you so glad you're on the winning side? <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Amen.
Israel's signs of the times absolutely tell us that Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming soon. And so I say all of this message (laughs) to ask you this one question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the groom? Are you ready to meet Jesus? I'll invite you just to close your eyes and bow your heads for a minute. I, I, uh, I don't know everyone's heart here. I, I don't know where everybody's at. <clears throat> but I want to make sure that we don't leave today until we know that we're ready. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're here today and, and, and you know, maybe you, you have a, 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 some knowledge of God or you, you grew up in church or maybe you've been away for a long time, but you want to come back and you want to be ready and you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that chance right now So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just because we want this to be a a personal thing, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand on the count of three if that's you. If you want to know Jesus today, be ready to meet Jesus. Raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. Hallelujah. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. You may put your hands down. And I'm just going to pray a little prayer, and I'm just going to ask you just to pray this prayer with me. You can just pray it to yourself. God hears you. God hears you. Just pray with me. God, we just thank you so much for for loving us. I'm going to make it a little more personal than that. (laughs) God, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. I ask you to come into my life, to come into my heart. I make a decision today to commit my life, to commit my heart to you. I invite Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. God, help me to grow in my relationship with you. Help me to never turn back. Help me to always be ready to meet the groom, to meet Jesus when he comes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to invite our worship team forward this time. And we're just going to end our service with one song. And we do this because we want to give you an opportunity just to respond to the word. And so maybe um, you'd like to stand during this song. Maybe you'd like to sit Maybe you'd like to come to the altar. Our prayer team is also going to be forward at this time during this last song. Uh, But I just want to encourage you to engage the Lord. Just engage the Lord. Whatever you do, engage the Lord. Amen.